You're listening to Hainai by Motsi Dapul, Episode 26, Undas, Part 2. Hey. I remember. The first time we met was when I took your statement. Will you... Will you talk to me now? Mari... Please... Oh my god, I just found something huge, and I need to record this to make sure, I don't know, this has any magic on it that'll, like, self-destruct once I read it, but I need to make sure it gets recorded. So, in my research on Miss Elaine O'Donnell, sole survivor of Hyde, I discovered that she passed away just a few years ago, and that her last will and testament requested her diaries, which she kept some time after she was visited by a mysterious journalist, more on that later, be donated to the reference library. Her wishes were honored on the grounds of historical significance, and I was able to get access to her diary. It's pretty hefty. Seems like she collected newspaper clippings about her, and her diary ended up more like a scrapbook than a simple written record. But another reason this book was so hefty, which I found when I looked at it from a narrow angle, I realized the back cover is a lot thicker than the front. This diary has a secret pocket, where I found pages torn from this diary that recorded some of her dealings with the unnamed journalist even after his visit. I also noted that a few pages were conspicuously torn from the diary spine. This is what I'll be reading, in hopes of shedding some light on the journalist's knowledge about the fate of Hyde, and the elders that appear to have been involved in its fall. So, April 23rd, 1960. Something? I don't know, it's smudged. Everything that I have learned seems impossible to me. This strange young man, this journalist, 
has given me answers to questions I have been asking for decades, since I lost my family, my home, my town, my worry. When I asked for his name, he provided it to me, but asked that I not write it down or record it in any fashion. Out of respect, I have decided to simply call him Jay. Jay told me what he learned over the years he has researched Hyde's fall. I asked him what drew him to his obsession with a town he had not grown up in, for one, because he was much too young, and for another, because there were no black families in Hyde that I had known of for being so small and remote. He told me his story, and I read it here so that my memory does not fail me later as to why I found him so trustworthy. His papa, he said, met a young man from Hyde when they were both young. They met a few times in the city, in secret, for the young man's fear of his family's judgment, before young men began to go off to war. The young man was Kieran C. Also smudged, who I remembered from Sunday service. Tall and quiet, handsome, but unwelcoming. Scared all the girls off, which was just how he liked it. Kirima and my brother had been close. I remember that too, but he came back when my brother did not. He came back to nothing but a burnt ruin. Hard to say who turned out worse. It seems silly to say now, but I was young then. It did not occur to me to find the survivors, both of a war and of Hyde's fall. I didn't realize that Kieran lived in Toronto, only a few blocks away from where I'd been institutionalized. Jay grew up knowing him as his da. Said he didn't know how he came to be or if his age was even right with his tight-lipped papa refusing to speak of his mother. But he liked them both fine, papa and da. He couldn't talk about them both to friends and family, he said, but it was nice for a child to have a secret so exciting. His da, he said, was almost always lovely. Almost. He told me of how he remembered waking up late at night to his da's wailing, quiet sobs in the kitchen over a thing of whiskey, how once he'd had him sit on his lap as he told him the most frightening story he'd ever heard about a dark forest where something dead always chased him, and seeing his hometown on fire, and hearing his friends and family screaming. Jay had nightmares for years from those stories. When his papa found out about the story, Dad disappeared for weeks, and he thought it was his fault. He came back eventually, and things were as fine as they could be after that, but he confided in me that it was his dad and his dad's nightmares that set Jay on the path. He wanted to know what happened to Hyde, what really happened, but his papa had forbidden any more talk of Hyde in the house, and 
Da became just as tight-lipped, just to appease him. To appease them both, Jay went into journalism, a respectable occupation, even if not wholly lucrative. He picked up leads here and there, and eventually he got to cover old ghost towns, with Hyde on the list. When he arrived at the old ruin, he told me something that chilled me to the core. It was, in every way, exactly like my nightmares. He walked through the town, and he saw it as though he had lived it, the buildings burning before his eyes. He described it down to the smallest details, from the color of garden walls on Fleet Street to the sign above the baker's. He could have seen them in pictures, I thought. I didn't want to be played for a fool. But then he described how a house crumbled, exploding into crackling flame from the center out, while the fence stood tall around it, never reached by the flames. How the church burned in the distance, its top window like a great red eye overlooking the carnage. My memories, his nightmares, described in startling detail. My house, crumbling from within, with me still inside. Then, he told me something I did not know before. How, in his nightmares, there had been a forest full of dead things chasing him down. How he'd looked for this forest, and found its match in a forest a few miles away from Hyde. A forest, he said, where he found evidence of human remains, bones, picked over by many animals, not much left, given the elements. It was this find that advanced his career with the paper, he said, only a few months before still being examined by experts in the city. But he suspected that it was in this forest where they'd found the remains of the missing hundreds from Hyde. A forest from his nightmares, with local legends of wolves and other beasts, none of which he dreamed about. This young man had known nothing of Hyde before the things his dad told him and he found those I had lost. When he came to me, he told me he would believe everything I had to say, if I told it to him plain. Many had heard my account, and dismissed me as mad. I learned to stop telling the truth, if only to stop people from hounding me. Jay is the last man to have received the full and truthful account of my story. The night Hyde burned. He's the only man to have heard all that came before, and the things I suspected led to Hyde's downfall one way or another. With this knowledge, he promised he would find me answers. And I believed him. September 5th, 19... 60-something. I would not see Jay for months, though 
I began to receive little packages, letters in the mail, silly little things that brought me smiles in my time alone. I began to hope, feeling a weight lifted from my chest, that I had someone who knew my story, whom I trusted. Around that time, my carers started to see signs of a positive change, and I was, for the first time in decades, imagining a life outside soft white walls. When he next came, months later, he looked more haggard, but still greeted me with a smile. He had more answers, he said, but it was my turn to believe him, no matter how mad he sounded. It was the least I owed him, so I promised. He told me that his research had brought him far afield, and he learned more about our good doctor and those they associated with. He said he met an imposing gentleman vagrant who had more answers than he had been prepared for, despite his unwillingness to share even half of them. He said he had met a woman, still young and beautiful, that had lived through two great wars, whose memories she shared only because he showed her a keepsake from his family, a gift received from a rich hotel heiress his grandparents had known when they were young. And he said that when I left the soft white walls, as I had since intended, he would show me the doctor's city home, which he had found through legal records. He told me so many more things that I have not written down, that to this day beggar belief if I had not seen what I had seen. October 13, 1960-something. Today, Jay brought me to the doctor's house in the city. Untouched since Hyde's fall, he said. I had not known the doctor's fate since I awoke in hospital, but he assured me that the doctor was gone. Long dead, according to his gentleman vagrant. Destroyed their own mind from within, so that they could not be used by their enemy. Their enemy, who had brought war to hide the night it burned. Their enemy, who set the unnatural fire that spread too quickly through my town. I asked what he meant by used, and he told me I knew better than anyone what that meant. And I did. I remember the things in Hyde that pretended to be my friends and family. I remember a husband screaming in the night about how his wife was no longer his wife. I remember a leering priest turned perfect servant to the doctor he abhorred. Could it not have been justice, I wondered, if the doctor could feel the same as they had felt when they took Hyde. That was when Jay looked me in the eye and said, with kind honesty, that it had not been the doctor that took Hyde. Not entirely. 
not even in majority. He didn't need to tell me who it was for me to understand what he meant. We accessed the old house. Not terribly big, and yet as elegant and rich as I had remembered from their summer home. I expected to see puppets in every room we passed, but saw none. A doctor's office near the front to receive patients outside of the hospital. A comfortable abode. The only strange thing I noticed when we climbed the steps to the second floor was a room clearly made for children, though there had been no photographs nor any sign that children had ever lived in that house. Not but small cloth dolls laid atop the pillows identical to the ones I remember from the doctor's house in Hyde. It was only when we began to descend into the basement that the strangeness I had expected began to manifest. Though we arrived by a narrow stairway at the basement door, there was even deeper still to go. Jay showed me the first underground room, where I found a workshop akin to a machinist's, littered with clockwork and a half-built automaton, much older than I had seen in papers and pictures, nor the futurist science fictions I had taken to enjoying. The clockwork automaton looked like a near life-size young man, though only a half-opened head and part of the neck and chest. There was something visceral about the sight, though every part was wood or metal, and not the flesh and blood I expected to see. Notes were strewn about as well. Ali caught a glimpse of one as Jay gestured for me to follow him even deeper into the house. It read William, and the sketch of a smiling young man that resembled the half-face of the automaton. It was down in the second basement I had saw a more familiar sight. Puppets hanging from the ceiling, dolls sitting on surfaces or displayed along stands and behind glass. On a chair near the end of the room, I saw a doll that chilled me to my very core, even as I reached out to touch her black hair. It was unmistakable. That doll. It was Lori, perfectly crafted, so lifelike it was as though I was back at Hyde again. Even her hair felt the same. He told me she was, alongside the doctor, the one who brought Hyde to ruin. She had a goal he could not fathom that led her to turn Hyde's inhabitants into dead things that yet lived. It was the doctor's power, their research, that allowed it to happen, but Laurie was no helpless victim. She wanted something and was willing to sacrifice all of Hyde to get it. And then, it seemed, she died. She and the doctor both, after Hyde burned down. By those who burned it down, he said. He 
learned of others who vied for power as Laurie had. Those called elders who used unnatural powers akin to which the doctor used. A grand conspiracy that went deeper than he realized when he first took it upon himself to chase the story. There was a fire in his eyes for answers that went far beyond the fate of Hyde. It frightened me in some way, having seen my fair share of fire. But still, I hoped he would find what he was looking for, bring peace to us survivors, me and his da both. We left the dolls in that basement. We didn't know what would happen if they were disturbed. October 29, 1960-something. I've been thinking about Lori and the doctor, thinking about what it was they wanted. I remember that Lori wanted to be happy. That was really what it all came down to. She wanted things to be easier. She said she liked me. Because I was brave enough to do what I wanted, even when it got me into trouble. That changed when my brother left, but I suppose the little terror that I used to be made her feel free. She always had these grand ideas in her head, these dreams, a place where we could be together forever, and we didn't have to worry about those awful boys or monstrous priests or parents who didn't understand us. I remember when she ordered Father Mallory around like a servant, making him stab his own leg with a knife. Said he felt no pain. Said he was happy. Happier than he'd ever been before. Perhaps that was what she wanted all along. Happiness. A place with no pain. A place of dreams she could share with her loved ones. Share with me. And I knew the doctor loved her. They wanted to secure her happiness. Because that was all they ever wanted. And the little cloth doll was so different from every other doll in the house. To the way the doctor doted on us offered to teach us what they knew. I remember what they'd said. If I cannot create life as God intends. The doctor wanted a child, and Lori gave them that. And Lori wanted... Lori wanted to be happy. She wanted a life without pain. So much so that she began to grow blind to the pain of others. She thought there was another world where that pain could just not exist at all. I don't think my Lori was a good person. October 30th, 1960-something. Then, what of that automaton? The 
December 25th, 1990-something. He asked me not to write this down. I know that. But I worry that one day he'll return, and I won't be here to greet him or provide him safe haven. My dear friend entrusted me with his life's work, and I have no family to pass this on to. I cannot give it to his family, because he never wanted them to be involved in this. So I've hidden it away. Perhaps Jay will find these pages and know what to do with them. I've kept it safe all this time, my friend. I only hope that you've done the same with your own life. and look for him. There's no point. Are you kidding me? I'm not leaving anyone behind if I can help it, okay? I'm telling you, there's no point. The guy just got blown the fuck up right behind me. Are you sure? <sighs> I'm sure. Then we keep going. Going where, exactly? You haven't explained anything. How do we know we can trust you? Hey, back off! She... she saved me out there. I saw it. She used, like, magic. And then we were falling, too. It's why we didn't... all die. Do you hear that? God. Quick. Tie yourselves together. Like, like an anchor. Clothing, belts, anything. Can they see us? Not if you stay anchored. Come on. We have to find a way back. A door where it shouldn't be. Tell me if you spot one. square. Looking at them, 
creaking and staggering and shaking, their heads rattling as they turned toward one noise or another. They were in a memory, or the bastardization of one. Hyde, burning that night, when the war between the benefactor's elder allies and Drosselmeyer's puppets commenced. This was Laurie's realm. A place out of time she crafted for her game. Chai knew she truly couldn't fight it. Not until she got out. It would have been easy for her to get out on her own, but she... Well, she had a little barrel of monkeys she was dragging along with her. Didn't want to lose a single one. until we're out of here. I wish they knew how much you're giving just to keep them safe. <laughs> I don't need any of that. I just need them to be safe. But why? Sorry, sorry. It's, it's just so much. I mean, this isn't your job. Not really. But you do it anyway. I always wondered... Why? Honestly? Guilt. What could you possibly feel guilty for? Hey, what are you doing? Let me go. A little help here? I heard him. I heard him. Let me go. He needs my help. No, wait! Ah! Let me go! Anchor! The anchor! Tie it back! Got it. You okay? I got burnt, I think. But it's not too bad. Where did that other person go? Seriously? Who cares? Hey. I didn't see where they ran off to. We could try to find them. Or... No way! That was their fault, not ours. We have to get out of here, not deal with crazy people trying to get us killed. That's not fair. Their friend died. Mari, what do you think? <sighs> Don't ask me, please. It's your magic we're relying on. I'm sorry. But you have to be the one to tell us what we need to do. Especially if we want to survive. I... I need to get the rest of you out of here. We need to find that door. Come on. We can't just... Come on. <sighs> right. Okay.
There it is! There's a door! Oh, thank God. That's... that's the right door, right? I mean, it's, it's just floating there. Yeah. Y yeah, that's the one. All right, I got you. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's no fun. Playing hide-and-seek, Let's change the game on this little goodly witch. Make sure they all get through. Wait, wait, what are you doing? <sighs> Holding them off. But, but your energy! Mari, you can't! No choice. There's no one else. Go! so much in my life. Mari. Mari, are you okay? Uh, Mari, your hand. It's... It's cracking? It's fine. It's fine. That is not fine. What happened? It happens. I'm just... I'm just overreaching. I just need to rest. I just need to... We're back here again. That means... That's the way out. Isn't it? Hey, lady! Give her a second. It, it's okay. I, I can still walk. They're right. We're back in the basement. Then let's go! Look! The door! Can you get up the steps? Yeah, I can. Finally, this nightmare is over. No! <laughs> Stop it! But that isn't a game, Goodly Witch. This isn't a game. People's lives aren't a game. Ah, Goodly Witch, you truly are. Good. Selfless. But it doesn't matter. None of it does. Goodness is not rewarded in this world. Alas, this world is not very dear. Only in a perfect world. One, those in power trade for themselves. Like you, or us. What do you want? Why are you doing this? I want. The one that woke me. The face of one. 
the one who took everything I told you he's not here. And I told you. I don't believe you. Fine. Fine. I'll show you where he is. Oh. And how will you do that? I connected to him before. I can do it again. Find him in your memories. Find him now. But only if you let everyone here go. Everyone. Alright then. We have a deal. like a nightmare before passing. Fear death. I've seen this place before. I recognize the shadows. Look. A rabbit being hunted. Which means bound must be. There. I can feel him. I can hear him. Hear what? My town. Their voices. I can hear them all. Crawling and crying under his skin. Every death. Every soul. Roiling inside him. Calling out to me. Listen. Can't you hear them? Goodly witch. Uh, I, I can't see. I, I can't see anything. Oh, poor rabbit. Now, where is the hound? Feasting on your soul. Laurie, Laurie, wait.
It's you. work here. Let them go. I don't... Their souls. The people you've murdered tonight. The souls you've stolen. Let them go. I was going to give them back. And make them better. Make them puppets, you mean. So what? <laughs> so what? I would have made them happier. They wouldn't have had to have those nightmares they had. Not anymore. Not with me. I'd give them only dreams. Take away the pain. 
You cannot disrupt human life and call it a blessing, Lori. You know where they want to go, so let them go. Where? What's... What's across that river? The same place that's across your rainbow. How? How are we here? The same way we were in Hyde, just now. We're in my memories. You've been to the place across the rainbow before. A few times. Bring me there. You can bring me there, can't you? <laughs> Whatever you imagined in your head, it isn't what you'll find on the other side of that river. I can make you. I can... Wait. M my power! Won't work here. This is my place. Like I said, it's not something you can just take. Not like the life of my friend. The lives of the innocent people you trapped in your memory of war and fire. No, wait, look. I can bring them back. Give them the gift of joy and life again. <laughs> you cannot gift what was never yours, Lori Bracken. You cannot gift the dead their souls, nor the dreams you pluck from their minds. And you can't bring back the dead. I'm sorry. It never should have been done to you. so wrong to wish for a better world than what we had. Hyde was an empty husk full of people grieving the lives they should have had. They were empty until my teacher came and brought life back into the town. This world and its empty disappointments pale in comparison to the dreamland, the perfect world I would have given them, that I could give to your companions in view of all their anxieties, their fear, their nightmares. You are a child, hurting real people to satisfy your childish fantasies. Shut up. Because you fear the truth. Shut up! Let me tell you a truth right now, Lori Bracken. The truth that I learned about Hyde. Shut up! Elaine O'Donnell survived. She was saved from the fire. No! Where you abandoned her. No! She lived a good, long life, and passed on, naturally, peacefully, into the afterlife. And you will never see her again. You will never see your perfect world. Not after what you've done. So, what do you want to hear? 
Do you want to hear that Chai did the right thing? That she's not petty or cruel? That she wouldn't have done the worst possible thing to someone because she was in pain? That she's a good person? Is that what you want to believe? The truth? Well, the truth. Oh, do you want to hear a story? Well, once upon a time, there was a little girl. She had a mother and a father and a grandmother who loved her dearly. Mother was loving, but steadfast and unwavering. A presence, and one full of magic. She taught a little girl everything she knew. Father was charming, playful, and kind. He wasn't magical, not in the way that they were. But his wife used to say he had a unique bit of magic all his own. With words alone, he could make people smile. When people were angry, he could say exactly the right thing, and their anger would flow right out of the bottoms of their feet. It worked on Mother, as unwavering as she was, because Father was her world. It worked on friends and neighbors. It even worked on strangers. Good thing, too, because Father met a lot of strangers when he went up to the mountains. He went there to be a teacher for the native kids, whose education was neglected by the state. He worked with the farmers when he could. He was there for a while. The little girl even came to visit when she could. She thought it was a fun field trip. Even if it was a little boring when the adults talked like she wasn't there. This went on for years. Father would come home sometimes, but mostly he was in the mountains. Then one day, the little girl had a nightmare. She cried for her mother and told her what she saw. When they arrived, he'd been gone for six days. First, they found his eyes, delivered to the school in a jar. Then, they found his hands, wrapped in duct tape and plastic, in the fields where he'd helped the farmers. Then, they found his head. His hands. His head. His eyes. Then the rest of him. Now, he was just one man. But to mother... He was the world. 
so with her magic, she took their eyes so that they could not see to aim their guns. She took their hands so they could not cut off another's. She took their heads and hung their bodies, bled from the trees. A monster's warning. Mother was a good person, steadfast and unwavering. But when they took her world from her, all she could feel was pain. Those men, with their power, their money, their guns, they were monsters. There can be no doubt. But what monsters do you think might be made when good people are made to suffer? Mari! Hey! Hey, are you okay? I... I got the call from Murphy. I got you as fast as I could. Don... Donner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's me. I, I'm here. Ainai will return in 2023.